This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Hey, everybody. Welcome. Welcome. We're going to get started a, a minute or so early today. So we have a big, big show, and I want to make sure that everybody gets a chance to log on. Hey, it's your Saltwater Guide. I want to welcome everybody on Spotify, Apple, Megaphone. Thank you for listening to the show today. And those of you on all the other platforms, thanks for listening. This is a very, very important show because this has a lot to do with what we all enjoy doing, our biggest hobby, fishing. This show is going to be super important, so pay close attention to what Wayne has to say because you're going to get the, the uh, real story. You're not going to get it through Dave Hansen. You're going to get the absolute real story of what's going on, what's coming down the pipe, and what we can do to save fishing in California. So what, with no further ado, we're going to bring in the man. I am so happy to have Wayne with us today. Come on in, Wayne. Let's get this show started. Let's let the people know what we got going on here. Come on. Hey, Wayne, welcome to the show. Welcome. Hey, Dave, how you doing? I am super excited to finally have you on the show because you are probably one of the hardest working people in California and... I have to thank you from the bottom of my heart because you know how much I love to fish and because of all that everybody does on every platform, but you especially, you are tireless. You are out there every single day. So thank you so much for everything you do. And just to let everybody know who you are and what you actually do, because we have a lot of people watching the show today, just kind of give us a, a general of who you are. I'm just your MC behind the scenes at the shows, Dave, <laughs> right? I'm the guy on the voice and the mic that says, live, it's your saltwaterguide.com coming up next. Put on your hard cats, fasten your seatbelt. It's Dave Hanson. Yeah, and here we go. <laughs> <laughs> That's how we announce it. <laughs> Absolutely. And it's good. It goes good. And because of that, thank you again for that. Thanks for introducing me the way I should be introduced, right? All the time, Dave. All the time. <laughs> so you want to know who I am? I'm Wayne Cotto, and I'm the Executive Director for Coastal Conservation Association of California. And what we do at Coastal at CCA Cal is we represent the saltwater angler in, in California. Absolutely. And you're, the whole movement is we're up against the so much against us as far as fishing and because of all the efforts of all the different groups and maybe 
just explain to everybody that's listening all the different groups that are involved because we know CCA. I talk about it on my show every single day, but there's other groups that are actually helping CCA and helping us to keep this fishing open, right? Yeah, uh, we're, we work with a coalition or a, a network of partners and it's from every facet that we can get behind our organization, right? So on the fishing front, right off the bat, we work with the Sport Fishing Association of California, SAC. It's the Sport Fishing Fleet. We work with the Golden Gate Association, right? The fishing group up in Northern Cal. We work with the spear fishermen, the dive, the, the uh, um, fly fishing. We, you name it, surf fishing. We, we try to pull all the groups together, whether it's private boat, public boat, six pack, it doesn't matter because we all have to be on the same side of this fight. On top of that, we built coalitions with outdoor recreation because hunting and other outdoor recreationists are fishermen too. And they're anglers and they want to they want to participate and help because we all have to fight for our access to our resources. And that's what's going on right now It is all about that. On top of that, we work with the boating associations, the harbors, the port captains, the marina operators, because they're going to be in this fight with us with everything that's going on with CARB. Right. And and the emissions and, and all of the electro, uh, electric uh, motors that are going to have to come out and all the infrastructure that's going to be needed to support it. So it is a very broad-based uh, network of people and groups working together to conserve our resources and our access to them. And at the end of the day, it's all about all of us being involved, correct? And correct. like I say all the time, for those that watch my show in the private boater community, really, at the end of the day, CCA is our voice at the table and you are the one out there, CCA, everybody behind the scenes that works with you. You guys are the guys out there gathering the knowledge and the information and passing it on to us so that we can actually know what's coming down the pipe. What's the next thing? What's the next thing that's going to affect you and me going out and getting a suntan and smiling and laughing and catching a fish with our grandkids, right? Absolutely. We, we work at all levels of government. We work federal level with legislation. We work at the state level with legislation. Gosh knows there's 2,500 bills a year that get introduced and we have to go through them and watch for all the, the things that are going to come at us. And sometimes it's unintended consequences of a bill that they don't think is going to hit us, but can react and help and hurt us. Right. Uh, look at the lead bills that have come through lead, zinc or copper. Right. But if zinc got included in one of those bills, it's going to affect every boat in the, in the water. Right. So oh my gosh. think about how these unintended consequences of some of these actions and they don't know necessarily all the ramifications. So we have to be very vigilant in our analysis of bills, uh, catching certain phrases or words that you would never think. Right. Because sometimes it doesn't just say fishing. It could come very indirectly at us. And that's what we do. But then we work with all of the departments, like Department of Fish and Wildlife. We work with all the agencies up and down the coast. We work with the marinas. We work with the port districts, Coastal Commission, Natural Resource Agency, Fish and Game Commission. We work with everybody because all of it has to work together in the bigger picture. National Marine Sanctuary is a good example, right? Because right now, everything that's going on, they all are colliding right now. Uh, I think the biggest Thing that I find is that people don't know is the ocean is the last area that hasn't been divvied up. All the land pretty much has been divvied up among everybody. It doesn't matter if you're the government or private or some 
uh, non-government organization, it's all been divvied up. But the ocean has not. And the reason it hasn't, because they didn't have the technology to do it. Now we have GPS. And now it's called marine spatial planning. And the government can now make money on the ocean. They have a way, right? The only way they were doing it before was selling off leases for things like oil rigs. But now they have this opportunity to sell plots of land or plots in the ocean to people like the wind farms. So they're selling leases. Aqua farms are going to be in there. But other things that are going to take a, a precedent, right? You're going to have your uh, national defense areas. You're going to have um, areas for uh, state marine parks or uh, marine protected areas, national marine sanctuary, aqua farms. See how it's slowly getting divvied up. And guess who loses along the way? Fishermen. Access to our grounds, our resources. So that's what we're having to fight against. It's very, very convoluted. And, and it is all concurrently happening. Okay. And something that you posted yesterday that I was very excited about was the little, I would call it maybe a pause in the 30 by 30. Maybe you can explain that a little bit more because I did share it across my social media yesterday. So maybe you can help us all to understand that a little bit better because I've been talking about this 30 by 30 for a, all, two years at least, right? You've been talking yeah. about, they've been trying to shovel this down our throats here. So talk, can you talk to everybody about this a little bit? And yeah. So, so here's what's happened, right? We had uh, legislation that uh, AB 3030, that everybody came out and helped us fight. We, we beat the bill. Governor comes back six weeks later and signs an executive order. The executive order isn't a law. It's a guideline. It's a guideline to his department and agencies to implement the 30 by 30 uh, process. The problem is, if you want to define this whole thing on the international level, it started. And then we have the America the Beautiful Act at the federal level. And at the state level, we have our 30 by 30 effort. All three of these levels of effort have different definitions and qualifications. And guess who's the most strict? California. So we're trying to figure out why the rules and the guidelines and the requirements can't be the same throughout this process if the whole program emphasis is saving certain things. Now, here's where we're at. We're not against pollution. We want clean water. We want uh, good habitat, biomass, biodiversity. We want to make sure the plastics aren't out there. We want to, we're against raw sewage uh, releases, uh, pollution in our sewer runoffs. We don't want balloon releases affecting our oceans, right? All those things we're for. So the premise of what they're trying to do behind a 30 by 30 effort, we're okay with. Where we get a rub is when they come at us and start removing our access to the resources without scientific proof to do that. And that's been our biggest fight that we've had. Now, on this 30 by 30 movement within California, when they first came out with it, they were they would not tell us that they weren't going to go after the fishing areas, right? So slowly but surely, they we've whittled them or talked to them, and now they have to find what is considered durably conserved or durably protected. We got a definition. And we have gotten them to agree that fishermen are not the enemy and that they are not using the 30 by 30 process to double the MPAs. Okay? So that's big. They did that. They they had to come around slowly to say that. And that's what we're saying. Thank you, because we now aren't the only 
thing on the table to get the 30 by 30 done. And here's why. 124 MPAs are out there. And there's an MPA decadal process review going on right now. That is a separate process with the Department of Fish and Wildlife and the Fish and Game Commission that will manage the MPA. We can talk about it as separate. For the 30 by 30 movement, there's things that they're going to do. They are going to, one, wait for that MPA decadal review to tell them what the MPA is going to land like. They're going to look at other areas like the National Marine Sanctuaries and figure out if they can strengthen the biodiversity protections to get them included. That's big because the National Marine Sanctuaries today are 41% of the state waters. Now you can't add the 16% MPAs and the 41 because there's MPAs within the National Marine Sanctuaries, okay? But we will get there, right? If we can get those things qualified without losing more fishing access. We'd be okay with that. The other side is they want to have these things. They want to do this thing called enhancing tribally led stewardship areas. We don't know what that is yet. We're working on it, trying to figure out what that definition is. The last one is these things called OECMs, which are other effective conservation measures. Because we've been telling them all along that we do a lot of protections in our waters. You can't do anything in the state or federal waters without going through an agency, a council, a commission, a department. So they are on 100% protected. The question is, will they qualify those efforts towards the 30%? So you hear what I'm saying? We've taken the focus off the fishing and moved it to the other things. Why? Because let's clean up the water, let's clean up the pollution, let's clean up the sewer, let's clean up the plastics. All of those other things, if we get them fixed, fix all of the California waters. We won't need all those MPAs and all that because we're cleaning up the problem. It's not, and none of that has to do with fishing. None of it. So no. that's why we're doing it. So if you look at it, what we're saying is we're not against the 30 by 30 movement in general for the premise of it. We're not against, we're thanking the councils, the uh, OPC, Ocean Protection Council, the department, and, and those guys who have recognized our efforts that fishermen are not the enemy, but we are still going to have to fight because the special interests out there are still pushing for not only not, not fishing in those 124 MPAs, they want to double the MPAs. They're still pushing that problem, so we still have to put up a fight. Okay, good news is our fishing game commissioners Department of Fish and Wildlife and the Ocean Protection Council have all come out and said they do not have an appetite or willingness to go into that fight. That's good. So what we're going to talk about now is the MPA decadal review because that's where the, the fight has shifted to. So what we've got is that MPA decadal review is on right now. And there's four major parts to it. There's research and monitoring. There's outreach and education policy and permitting and uh, enforcement and compliance. What we're doing is we're taking those four pillars and we're breaking down all of the input or the department is breaking down all the input and they're putting them into buckets and they're going to have to come up with this priority list of what they think they can handle. Because remember, department and the commission only have limited staff. They're going through what they call the adaptive management process to what they think they can handle and implement on this next, next cycle. They will not be able to implement 
doubling the MPAs. They know that. So this is why we have to focus on the very certain areas. We need everybody's help out there because as we go through these meetings or going into the meetings, because the first meeting will be at the uh, Marine Resource Committee, uh, what we call the MRC, which is a subcommittee of the Fishing Game Commission. It will be on July uh, 20th up in Sonoma. That'll be the first time we all get in a room and start really hashing out details of the suggestions that have been submitted. Okay, we need people to give us what they're seeing in their local area or some of the ideas because we can't cover 1,200 miles of California coastline. There's area specific things that are going to happen, whether like Dave and your sister would know about what's going on in Laguna, right? And the, the idea that they want to expand the Laguna MPA and keep it no fishing. We know down in La Jolla, they're talking about maybe moving us a border down there and including Boomer's Cove. Don't want it to do it, but they're going to try because of what's happening with the sea lions and the pupping. But we know those couple of things. But we've also gone on the offense and said, hey, why don't you guys really use your science? If you are truly scientists and lawyers, let's let's prove your argument. You've now done 10 years of study. And in the central and northern coast, there's MPAs that we've done studies on that do not show that there is a big difference between inside and outside results. So if you really want to prove why you have no fishing, no take areas in those areas, open it back up and then redo the study and prove why you need to have the no take. And that's something that we're, we're going to push on. Because, yes, I agree there's certain areas because of density of fishermen, right? We just have density. And the, there is a big difference between inside and outside. Never going to get those open back up at this point. Because why? We've all been constricted into too small of an area. That's what's happened, right? We've had rockfish conservation areas, cow cod conservation areas. We've had time-based closures, bag limits, right? And all of that pushed us between that and, and closure of MPAs, pushed us into really small areas and made us fish and pick out those same stones over and over. Because, and, but if we didn't have that, if we could spread the resources out or change the lines, Deep waters, five years, shallow waters, five years. You know what I'm saying? Things that are creative, oh, yeah. you would have a rebuilding effort. The same principle of your MPA concept. It's an idea. It's been shot down. But it might get back on the table at some point because the MPAs kind of can prove our theory out for us. That if you do have closures, it can rebuild, right? These are management efforts that we need to work with our Department of Fish and Wildlife and those Fish and Game Commissioners to see if we can get them to bend. Now, good news is for our anglers, we've been doing a lot. We've been getting rewarded. People may not know, but Cow Cod Conservation Area, 5,000 square miles out there was shut down for 20 years. Cow Cod got deemed rebuilt 70 years ahead of schedule. We have been working behind the scenes uh, at the Pacific Fisheries Management Council, and they have now voted to open up that cow cod conservation area after five, uh, uh, 20 years. And what we've said was um, we've agreed that there's eight pinnacles out there that will have no bottom contact. In other words, like I guess the 43 is a good example. Right. We don't care if we fish over the, on, the, on the bottom contact of the 43, but we want to be able to fish pelagics through there. So as long as you don't drop a hook and you don't go ground fishing in there and have ground fish on your boat, you can fish over the top and go get pelagics on it, let's say, when we open it back up. 
it's at the approval process at NOAA at, in uh, Washington, D.C. right now. But these are things that we've been doing behind the scenes, efforts to help uh, open things up. We're working on things like the groundfish uh, um, uh, for an in-season adjustment, working with all of the teams to get that opened up. These are things that we have to do behind the scenes, right? Working with our partners like SAC, with National Marines Fisheries Service, you know, all the partners working together to get things done. That's how we succeed. Um, One second. One second. Gang, make sure you hit that QR code and get involved with CCA because, like I say every day on the show, Wayne and everybody at CCA, for the private boater community, Wayne and his staff are the only people that are getting the knowledge that we re- we need the knowledge so we know what we're doing right and what we're doing wrong. And you know what it takes? And I'm sorry, but let's be honest. The special interest has way more funds than we ever will. It takes us all to donate. We're not asking you for all your money to donate a little bit. This Anybody that loves to fish or your grandkids love to fish or anybody that loves to fish, we need you to be involved with CCA just like I'm a lifetime member and there's so many people that are watching the show that are members, but it takes all of us. Like Wayne keeps saying, it takes the whole village and and it takes bottom line. It takes a little bit of money to do these things that we're doing. Right, Wayne? Absolutely. And yeah, now if you hit that QR code, it'll take you to our website. We do have this thing called contribute to conservation, which is for a little as $10 a month. It gets charged to your credit card and it just, it's a way to help contribute to our funding. Uh, it takes a lot. Uh, we have a full-time lobbyist in Sacramento. CCA has a full-time lobbyist in Washington, D.C. We have uh, lobbying efforts going on all the time, everywhere. And you guys here, we pound the pavement up and down this coastline. And it is a big state. So it takes funding to get through these programs and to be able to support us. Guys, we have 2.1 million anglers in California. And we haven't even scratched that level as memberships. And I do not know why. Uh, the angling community puts $3.4 billion. Uh, they spend $3.4 billion annually towards fishing efforts in California. We have horsepower. We got to get the memberships uh, up so that we have the support because numbers matter when you start talking to legislators because numbers are your voters, right? And we're going to have to keep expanding up the coastline, right? We're, we're from Santa Barbara South. We're from Bakersfield South. But we need to get into the central and northern California with chapters, and we're working on that every day. Um, but we gotta, we have to have help. We can't do it alone. Absolutely, and and that's what we've been trying. The message we've been trying to sh- send to all of the people that watch us on our daily show is, it you cannot. And like you and I talked about last night, it the time to sit on the sidelines and suck your thumb and wait for Wayne to fix this all for you. It's not going to happen that way, gang. We all have to be involved. We got to be involved in a positive way. You can't just jump on there and spread a bunch of negative and then jump back out and go, well, I did my part. The negative's not going to do it. Right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's 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 so bad that that we have the keyboard jockeys, but I, you know what? We don't do it for them. We do it for the the right reason. We're going to be we're driven to succeed. We're going to do it, right? What are we worrying about? We're worried about access to our fishing. We're making sure that we have fish to fish for. We're working on our hatchery program. We continue to work on that hatchery program hard, right? Uh, we've sent legislation yeah, through, got a bill passed to update it. 
we we are i'm a vice chair on the white sea bass advisory uh, panel um we're working with the science advisory committee we're working on getting them their funding we're working on a report card we're getting more broodstock into the hatchery program we're working on head collection you see that sticker sitting up there we need your help if you go catch white sea bass or you see somebody catch a white sea bass please 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 ask them to donate that head at the landing and put it in the freezer if you want the auto list, you can put it on the bag with your contact info and they will return them to you over time. But we need your help because this program is being reevaluated as we speak. So that's explain, going on. But real quick, explain why the head's so important. You know and I know, but most people don't understand what this head represents. It doesn't it's not about how many white sea bass you caught. There's a special thing inside this animal's head. If it came from our hatchery program, there is a wire-coated tag right in the nose of the fish. But even if you don't, even if it doesn't, we need to have the fish because we're taking genetic study uh, information from it. We're using the otoliths to get age uh, data. And then if the wire-coated tag is there, then we will know if it was one of our hatchery fish. But there's, a, we need that data. Um, and we're doing a really big study on genetics right now with South Carolina. And it is proven that our return of our uh, white sea bass uh, contribution to the stock is much greater than the last study showed because hey, the genetic study. See his question there real quick? It's a kind of an important question. Can you fish over the 43 for bluefin, kelp, patty, yellowtail, or is there a restriction? Pelagic fish are allowed, no bottom contact, but you got to wait for NOAA to approve what we got going. We're at the final stage of that. So they will return the odalis, uh, the stones, if you mark your bag with your contact information saying you want them returned. Yes, they will do that. And hey, let them take them out. It's a lot easier yeah. than you. Trust me, I've tried digging those things up. That's no fun. But what that else are we working on, guys? We're working on hatchery program. We're always trying to work on habitat. You know that they've got the oil rigs that they're trying to take out. The extreme environmentalists want to pull out those rigs completely out of the water which will decimate that habitat that's been built for so many years out there it doesn't even make sense so that's why the rigs to reefs uh concept is so important and we got to fight for that we're fighting off these wind farms they're talking about putting thousands upon thousands of these things off the coastline it's going to affect our fishing it's going to affect the migratory practices it's going to kill birds it's going to mess up mammals there's a whole lot of problems with these things right now and it's going to hurt our resources. It may be 20 miles offshore and you may not see it, but it's going to hurt. Um, well, the amount of fossil fuel it's going to take to get those out there, they're not going to magically build them in Long Beach and then set them out there. Well, there's a whole lot of things. They don't have enough infrastructure space to do it. And so where's, what is that going to do your harbors and marinas that you are launching out of and trying to do stuff out of or the commercial fleet's trying to work out of? There is not enough space anywhere. And that's one of the issues they're talking about right now. Um, what else? We're working on a National Marine Sanctuary proposal, the Chumash one, between the bottom of Monterey all the way down to Santa Barbara. That proposal's on the table. But we don't oh. want that to happen unless oh. we can get the National Marine Sanctuaries included in the uh, 30 by 30 month number. And if they happen to get them qualified and we get the Chumash one in, guess what? Their next phase of 50 by 50 is done because they will have more than 50% of the state covered with those national marine sanctuaries. So we got that going on. We got aquaculture projects up and down the coast going on, federal and state waters. Um, like I said, we got a, a crap load of bills going on. 
guys, there's these processes of uh, scientific studies, fish studies, uh, that there's a program called CCFRP, the California Collaborative Fishing Research Project. And what they do is each of the ge geographic areas down the coastline uses one of the universities to go out and fish inside and outside the MPAs. And that's the studies that were used to evaluate what was going on right there. That was, that was the studies that were used to go inside and outside the MPAs to see what was going on. They need fishermen on those boats. Why? Because it affects how, what they're finding and what they're saying. We need to be part of those efforts and you can get signed up as a volunteer. Now, how's this one? And I've said this from the beginning. You know, remember when they shut down our MPAs and they and like the ones in Channel Island was a good example, right? They're, how long they've been closed. We kept saying, I want to fish inside that. Well, guess what? Not only do you get the fish inside of them on the boat, but you get to go on that ride for free. You don't get to take any fish home, but who cares? Take a picture and send it back. It's fun. Trust me. We get to go fish up and down the coast on their on our sport boats for their project and hold them accountable. Hey, but beat my record on a boat. Let's go, right? Let's all go have fun because we get to go fish for free, help the study, and hold them accountable to what they're finding in those MPAs. So, but didn't they mostly just take students? Though they didn't take no. real fishermen. No, they take they take fishermen. We've been getting our volunteers okay. up there, but we they always need more volunteers because sometimes trips get canceled and they have last minute openings, or you get on the list and you know sometimes they just don't work out in your schedule. But we need good fishermen on those boats, and yeah, then no, we need no. you guys to be paying attention to what they're telling you and what they're seeing. And every year, each one of those programs puts out a summary and have a volunteer. A day, you know, a celebration, but they're putting out their summary reports. We need you to look at those reports and go, was it accurate reporting or are they making statements that they really shouldn't be able to make, right? Findings, because you can't say all things being equal, this is the cause of that. We've caught them on that. Not that they're trying to make a mistake. They don't know any better. We're the anglers. We know what's going on in the water. We know how to fish. We know what you can say is cause and effect. Tim you know, has a good question, Wayne, because this is something... We've been talking about salt water for the first half hour, but this 30 by 30 and all the other things, they want to close fresh water too, right? It's, there's a, a terrestrial component. There is a ocean component. So what CCA is focusing right now on is the ocean component of that. But there is a terrestrial component. Most of it has to do with land and land management. But yes, there, there is a component to that. So And then and here's the biggest piece. One of the biggest components to this whole 30 by 30 movement is access for the underserved communities to get a definition of that and who should be included and what is considered access is something that we really need to push on. Access right. isn't about looking at it like an aquarium. Access should be about using the resources. And we have laws in, in our state about access to our coastline and the resources of the coastline that are ours as, uh, as California uh, citizens. So these are things that we're all working on. Uh, we go back to fundraising for CCA Cal. We do events up and down the coast, right? Uh, this weekend, we have a coastal social event at 22nd Street. Uh, and then we have um, the Dana Landing event coming up uh, on Saturday, concurrent events, one in San Diego, one in LA. If you want to get on that, look it up. It's on our website, ccacalifornia.org. Um like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram. We have a, a banquet up in LA coming up uh, in May 20th. That's coming up pretty quick. 
and we have a Kern County Golf Tournament on the Friday, the 19th of May. So we got a lot of good things coming up. Gosh, uh, go up to our event page, either on uh, Facebook or on our website, and, you know, follow us along. You look at our events, we're trying to have fun. Trust me. I don't want to go to any more of the rubber chicken dinner events more than anybody. So if we're going to go and do some fundraising, let's go have fun. And that's what we're trying to do. So if you see where we're having our, our uh, meetings or if we're having our events and you see the variety that we're trying to do, whether that is, you know, uh, um, casting contests or a fishing tournament or a charter or a golf tournament or whatever it is, we're trying to have fun. We did crawfish boils. We did a country dance. You know, I mean, and we have join your local chapter because they're always looking for ideas and they definitely need help. Right. Now, one thing I, a lot of us don't understand, and I really am not, these special interest groups that you talk about all the time, what are, what are the, thanks, Jim, what are these special interest groups? What, what are they representing? What do they want to do, actually? What do you think the bottom line is that they want to accomplish? They want to shut it all down. They want to shut us all down. They they are the fun, the anti-fun police. That's what I think. For whatever reason, and here, here's something that I think has been kind of really bugging me personally, is that hunters and fishermen are the original conservationists. We take our money, we take our time, and we put our efforts behind it for the right reason. We believe in sustainability. We know that if we don't do these efforts, there isn't a future. And the only reason we work so hard is because we believe in the future for our kids, our grandkids, and their kids, that we want to make sure that these resources are available. But for whatever reason, some of these groups are hijacking our efforts that we have paid and put blood and sweat into, and they think they know better. They think that they have to take everything to an extreme, and we don't understand why, right? You tell me what crisis is going on in California that we don't already cover all of these 30 by 30 type concepts. What is not protected? What doesn't have protection? What is in crisis that was caused by the angling community, especially, right? right. What, what, what part of fishing was so detrimental to the ecosystem or habitat that we are being discriminated on our access? That's been a big question that nobody can answer. If you want to talk about biomass issues, that's fine. But we talk about those in our fisheries management process. That's why we do that. We talk about science. We talk about our models and our take and our assessments and all those things, right? Yeah. We want the future and we take the hit when we have to. Whether or not we agree with it or not, we've shut down ourselves. Abalone, Boccaccio, cow cod, you name it. We take up and down our bag limit, sheephead, lingcod, all the time. We do these things for the right reason with science-based approach to it. The question is, how can you generically tell us that you have to do all of these things, but everything that we've done in the past doesn't count? It doesn't make sense to me. It's a slap in the face. Well, something that my father used to talk about all the time was the commercial fishermen also. They became, and then you summed it up perfect when you said, that the first thing it says on a sport boat license is commercial passenger carrying vessel. So 
all of a sudden, now we got it lumped into that. And even the commercial fisherman is really bottom line, not the problem, even though everyone wants to point their finger at it. Because at the end of the day, and like we had Tommy Gomes on here a month or so ago, the consumption of seafood in California is not going down. It's going up. Now, the places that we're going to get this seafood from are the biggest, biggest problems for the ocean. The, the, the largest offenders. The yeah. largest offenders. The largest. Not yeah. regulating, we're not regulating and, and, and fixing the problem. All we're doing is blaming the people that are doing the work and have the results of that work here. And they're not going over there to go fix the problem. We know the problem exists. We know where it exists. But they're not going over there because they don't have the, whatever you want to call it, the wherewithal to go and go do the real fight. Right? Well, they the don't want to see it. And the, and the overfishing and the illegal fishing that goes on out there is not here. It's over there. So go over there and blame and fix that before you come and blame us because we already tried to fix it all. And we do this every day. Right. What I was trying to say was, the more they take from us, the bigger the problem gets. The more they take, because you know what? When I go out to the restaurant, when I come up into Southern California, I want to have some shrimp. I want to have some sea bass. I want to have whatever kind of seafood I like. I love scallops. I love all that stuff. But we've made it almost impossible for anybody in the state of California to actually be able to harvest these animals for us to eat. So we get them flown in from country or what Tommy says, the, the, the origin of these the seafood we're eating, it's scary when they think about it. And they're make, like you said, they're making it worse every single day. That's another reason why it's super important to be educated and connected with CCA and all the other SAC, Sport Fishing Association of California. Something we didn't talk about, but we need to talk about is because there's a lot of people on here that are watching the show that actually buy a ticket and go fishing on the sport boat. And they don't understand that that they're part of that ticket goes to the sport fishing association of California to help Wayne and help CCA and help Jim and help Dave and help Donna and help all of us to be involved in this, to keep the fishing open. Correct. Not only that, Dave, we talked about the underserved communities. Where do you think that access point really is? The sport fishing fleet that we have is really their access to the ocean and the resources. So if they keep getting regulated out, where are you going to have your access and how are you going to get it? Because the underserved community is not going to buy a shiny boat. They can't afford to go rent a boat. They won't know how to go out there and fish unless they listen to YourSaltWaterGuide.com and get educated. Right. You know what I'm saying? So, but how do we get there? And that's exactly what we need to be working on, right? Correct. Our job is education, outreach. We do the work up in Sacramento. We do the work with the agencies and the council, the commission. Everybody out there that's listening to this, are you're our eyes and ears. You guys are out there. If you hear or see something that's going on, give us the ring. Call me, email me, message me on Facebook. Trust me. We watch all of it and we need your help because we cannot be everywhere. Now, certain things, let's go back to this MPA uh, decadal review issue. When you 
listen to them talk. Make sure you listen for the details because they're so important. They kept talking about, oh, we have all of this biodiversity uh, increase. That's not true. What their claim was actually biomass increase. Biodiversity has to do with variety. What they claimed was increase in biomass, which is the number of that species in the water. We, and nobody's gonna argue that if you close an area down, you're gonna have biomass increases, but they have no claim to biodiversity increases. The piece of spillover effect, the only piece that they got was spiny lobster in La Jolla. Guess what? If you close the area to consumptive efforts, nobody's going to argue that they're going to go spill over. You know why? Because they're probably overpopulated now. And they're going to have to leave that little area to go find food and eat. Face it. Uh, lobster is the cockroach of the ocean. They're going to go eat. And they're going to survive. No problem. Here's the rub. None of those species they are claiming success on, on biomass and spillover, are species of concern because we do fisheries management. Our regulations and our bag limits and everything have not, uh, are, are showing their effectiveness. So we have to be very careful on how we talk about this and how we watch it and manage it, right? Hold them accountable to what they're saying and what they're claiming. That's what we do. Right. And gang, if you haven't seen me before, if you haven't watched this show before, because I know we have a big new audience because Wayne's here. We do this show Monday through Friday at 12 o'clock Pacific Standard Time. We're approaching our 1200th episode. I do this every single day, Monday through Friday. I don't work on the weekends. I try to spend them with my beautiful wife. But I just want you to see what we're talking about right now is points that we talk about constantly on this podcast and we do it Monday through Friday and we absolutely do it live and I call Wayne or when I say the wrong thing Wayne calls me <laughs> but we are trying to make sure that we keep everybody educated and it's super important and an, a thing that I learned from you that I wasn't really focused on when we were talking at the Pacific Coast Sport Fishing Show was these MPAs went into effect and they went into effect and they took giant pieces of our, of our, for lack of a better word, our favorite hobby areas and they took them away from us and then they didn't do anything to them. They didn't plant kill. They didn't do any, they didn't. They can't. Some of them, some of them are right in the middle of the sewer treatment plants. The sewage dumps right out of these MPAs. Oh my God, I could go, go and go, but you summed it up perfect for me. You were like, Dave, what no one's talking about. They closed them, but then they didn't do anything. They just yeah. went. The 124 MPAs equal 50% of our good fishable waters along our state coastline. 50%. They only took the best areas other than a couple that we know about. They're the more sandy bottom. Why? They wanted the habitat. So if they really, and this is why we got scared on this 30 by 30 effort, because if they double the MPAs, they're going to take the other 50%. Get it? That's yeah. 100% of the good inshore fishable waters, which will kill our sport fishing fleet, will kill our access, right? Your kayak anglers, your shore fishermen, your sport boats, your half day, nobody will have access if they get that. And that's why we have to fight. So that's what we're doing, because 
come on, you can't have 100% of the access, uh, the, the, the habitat. That's just unfair. And then not, not, able, uh, not enable us to build habitat. If you want more habitat, let's do more uh, hatchery, uh, um, habitat. Let's build artificial reefs. But from the beginning, eight years ago, CCA tried to build artificial reefs because CCA national, nationally, we're one of the largest groups building reefs across the country. And California shut us down and we have not been able to build a reef since. The only reef that's been able to be authorized are mitigation reefs, like what happened at Palos Verdes because of the DDT mitigation money. So we're working on it. We're still trying. But, well, you know. yeah, if you think about what, like I'm thinking right now, if these special interest groups, if they really, really, really were so concerned about the ocean, then they would stop the consumption of seafood in California. Because we're bringing in seafood from countries that are devastating the ocean. And if you wanted to do it, only fish caught in California, lobsters, scallops, only fish caught and are landed in California should be sold in California if you cared, right? I, I don't know if I can go there, but I, and you know what? You got to be able to look at supply and demand. No matter how you look at this, you got to look at supply and demand. And in our state is so dense, densely populated. Um, there's no way to have that sustainability. That's why you got to look at some of these aquaculture projects. That's how you get there. But they're even closing. They don't want those to happen, right? They don't want us to build habitat, which will increase biodiversity and biomass. They don't want us to do aquaculture. Pro I, they're forcing our hands to go outside. And that's what Tommy's big deal is, right? That's right. why he's so passionate about what he does on his side of it. And he's right. I mean, the regulations outside of our borders are not as strict as ours, right? At the, all. The quality coming in is, is subpar in some cases. You, you, the, the, the origin of the fish is important because not every country is, is you know, has the same regulations as ours do. So that's what we're trying to do. We need your help. We need you to fight. We need programs like this where Dave gets the message out to so many people of what we're trying to do. CCA California is here to fight. We're here to support your access. We're here to help sustainability of our sport. Um, we're trying to do what, what is right for California, for the future, for all of us. You know, um, and then if you're not in the state, if you happen to be one of those people that are watching across the country, all of the CCA chapters, we have 19 states with chapters. We have one up there in uh, Nashville, Tennessee, an inland chapter, all supports our efforts across the country. So support a CCA chapter somewhere. And like I talk about all the time, Wayne, what happens in California usually starts starts to spread out across the United States and ends up in the East Coast also. So if you guys sitting on the East Coast are going, well, boy, California looks like a mess. Listening to what's going on. Hey, they're coming for you guys, too. We're they have, everybody has their own set of issues. Trust me. I mean, yeah. you go down the Gulf, they have the snapper issue. you got Midden going up the coast. you got up north, we got halibut issues, salmon issues. Uh, you, you can keep going. Every, every area has their share of these issues going on. Hey, let's go back to one other item. Yeah. We need your guys' help on using descending devices. There was a question out there at one point that descending devices are not, are, are they uh, regulated here in California? As of right now, they are not regulated um, to be on your boat, but we need you to use them. We have gotten favorable um, 
numbers at the Hold Pacific on. Fisheries. Huh? What's Donna talking about right there? Joining CCA. The MLP decal review. Yeah, she's talking about. Uh, she put a link into the MPA decal review. Oh, which okay, is, cool. it's, a, it's up on the on the website. All right. So, go ahead. Um, so descending devices, we need you guys to use them, especially because of what we're doing with this all depth re, uh, restrictions or opening. And we, it helps the resources. It's proven science that if you can release them at the depth, there is a, they will recover. They do not die. And we need you guys to show and tell people that you're using them. If you're on a boat, have them use it. If you don't have one, get one. They're not that expensive. Have a have a, a, a dedicated rod. Make sure you have enough weight. Dave will tell you this. As we get these bigger fish, uh, ground fish coming up over the rail, it takes a lot of weight to put them back down. So, but we need you guys to use them. Uh, make sure that when you go to the ramp or on a boat and you have one of their surf samplers from the Department of Fish and Wildlife, the little person with the clipboard and the little measuring board, Please submit and help us because that data is what is used to help us at the council to say what the recreational take is. The more people, the more accurate. I was against it originally because I thought that data was used against us. I was wrong. What happens is if we do not have good sampling, then they have to take what they have and assume a number to make it to the whole. Is it accurate? I don't know, probably, probably not. How accurate can it be if not that many people are turning in their samples? Here's another one. Your report cards, like a lobster report card in Southern California, please turn them in. What we're finding is we get like 50% return. Okay, if that other 50% wasn't returned because they didn't do anything or didn't catch any, what are they doing? They're taking the 50% and assuming that is the average for the 100% and they're overestimating our take. So you're hurting us by not turning in a zero. So if you do well or don't do well, I don't care, but turn in your report cards every year so we get a better number, an accurate number, so we know what's going on out there. Please. That's a good point because I would say nine out of 10 of the guys that are good fishermen that catch a lot of fish when those clipboard people come, they don't want to be involved. So that is a good point to bring up. And we all need to be proactive on that. Wayne summed it up perfectly, but I'll tell you what, 90% of the guys that know what they're doing and actually catch fish every time when that person walks up, they're like, you know, you can't check. We don't want to, we, they're not there to hurt you. That's a big. If you're staying within regulations, it's within your right. You you can't take more than you can, right? I mean, that's why we have bag limits. So, and you're not going to get caught every time you're at the ramp. Trust me, they just don't have enough samplers out there, or on the boats. So, if your idea of oh, I'm not going to do it because I'm I, I'm a really good fisherman and I take so many fish. No, you're, the, the the odds of you getting sampled that many times aren't that high. But we do need you to to participate. Well, and it's probably also a good thing to let them know that we actually do catch fish when we go fishing because that's a plus too. It's not yeah. a negative. Yeah, people don't understand this. If you catch a lot of fish, then we get blamed for overfishing. If we don't catch any fish, then they think the stock is crashing. We can't that's win either way sometimes on these analyses. Just understand that. We need you guys to be accurate on what we're really doing out there. That's all. 
It helps us all to understand so that when we go into the meetings, whether it's me or Merritt or Donna or Jamie or whoever else, Louie, whoever's going in that meeting representing the rail side, that we can get behind the number and say, yeah, we, we have a good feeling because that's what our guys are telling us. And it's accurately showing that in the model. So, Wayne, do you have any dissenting advice that you would recommend? I, I don't. I don't. But yeah, the, 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 so far, the, the, the sequelizer is one of the better ones because it, it releases at uh, certain depths. Okay. It's, it's probably one of the more expensive ones, too, but it's the right one, right? There's other ways you can do it. Guys have been using upside-down hooks, crimping the barb, and this and that, but they're not. it's hard to get them down because they fall off on the way down. Right. Right. So the sequelizer actually pinches, and then it opens up right at, at depth, and that's probably the best. There's a... Uh, one that goes to 150 feet, and there's another one that goes 100 to 300 feet. So and which one? All the efforts that we're doing to keep this fishery open, the worst look we could possibly have when someone comes sailing by on their boat or somebody comes by on their pleasure boat is seeing a bunch of rockfish floating around your boat. That is the worst look you could possibly be presenting. So absolutely. No, it's not required by law to have this, but... If you're going to fish for rockfish, you better have one on your boat. Waste of resources. Don't right. waste resources. That, that's the worst thing that ever could happen to any of us. So a couple other things that are going on, guys. If you see somebody doing something stupid out there, you know that you know that we have this thing called cow tip on the water. Do not approach people and yell at them. That's the dumbest thing you can do because you don't know who's on that boat anymore. And it's not worth it. There's a couple of things. One, there's an 800 number that you can call. There's tip 411 that you can text. But there, people don't know, but there's an app uh, for your phone. You can just download it off the Play Store for Caltip. And that probably is the better way to do it because, gosh knows, we all do social media like this. We know how to take pictures. We pull The first thing everybody does is pull out their phone and start taking pictures. Those are actually, video and pictures are good in this case because it's documenting what's going on out there. You get a boat number, a boat name, you get the people's faces, and what are you doing? You're starting the documentation process because there's not enough wardens that are going to be Johnny on the spot to get there. By doing it on, on the Caltip app, you can, you can do this anonymously if you want. Type it in what happened, send them the pictures, and it starts the file. And that's something that they, they need to help prosecute. We don't want people doing stupid things. Stupid things hurt everybody. It hurts all of our efforts. So let's be smart. Let's use the app. Let's promote the, the, take the Cal Tip hotline, you know, and the app and do it right. Let's use the sending devices because all of these things are going to help our future for our kids and grandkids. That's what we're doing it for. Absolutely. I got, and Tim, thanks, because I just got two texts about it too. And this is a hot button. And my dad used to say, we can't, we're not even allowed to talk about this when you go to Sacramento or you go to Washington, but. You see what Tim's asking right now, Wayne. Yeah. Okay. So let's, it's let's, the take, this, let, no, let's take this a little differently. Let's, let's, I'm not afraid to talk about it. Okay. But let's talk it differently. So we have different groups within our uh, commission and agencies. Some believe in preservation, some believe in conservation. Do not confuse those two things. Preservation is want you to leave it all alone. And that actually is what those MPAs have been set up for. You can't do anything in them, right? You can't take. And the, the, somebody asked about the, the replanting of kelp and, and uh, sea urchin poles and all of that with the divers. But guess what they found? They wrote those rules so strict for us that it hurt them. 
So when the MPAs got hurt, the warm water blob happened, the kelp died off, the abalone died off, the starfish died off, and the purple urchins took over, what was the first thing they did? They screamed up and down, we got to go in there and call those purple urchins, those mean purple urchins, and then we got to go in there and plant kelp and help the help out. No, 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 hang on a sec. You set up a preservationist model. You can't go in there any more than we can. Well, we're going to pull scientific collection permits. No, that's not what a scientific collection permit's for. Sorry. And unfortunately, they got caught. Hopefully, they learned that management is the answer. We want to manage it. That's our whole premise behind what we do versus preservationists. Because preservation, there's winners and losers. Mother Nature will take care of it. Okay? So let's take that concept the next level. Sea otters are up and down our coast. United, uh, the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service did a study, and they're actually trying to convince people to plant and put out more otters up and down our coastline. If you look at the Department of Fish and Wildlife, they put an otter stamp fund out there. Okay, what is an otter? It's a rodent. It's a rodent in the ocean. It's like a gopher. Okay, now, Monterey, Monterey National Sanctuary right now has about 200 otters in it. Those otters are probably at their carrying capacity for the sanctuary, but they're not going to stop multiplying. And what are they going to do? They're going to decimate the invertebrates and the crustaceans. And they're not going to do anything about it. So what are they doing about biodiversity now? Winners and losers, remember that. So, but they won't let us go in there because they're pretty, they're cute, right? Same thing with the sea lions. This is where we're at. We can't touch them because of Mammal Protection Act and endangered species and all these other protections they put in place. But we have yet to be able to get them off of those lists and go back to management. So what's going to happen? The preservationist concept is going to go overboard and there's nothing we can do until it's too late. I'm not wrong on this one, but what do we do? How do you fight it? Because, and here's my thing, okay? And I'll go back to something I said. This is personal. We love our cats and dogs. We do. But we spayed and neuter them for the right reason, because we manage them as pretty and cute and lovable, and they're part of our family. We understand we need to manage them. Well, is that any different with a sea lion or an otter? Why does this concept not get through to people? So that's where we're a little stuck right now. We're trying to figure out how do you go after it? And God knows that's a hot potato. You know it is. But let's be realistic on the science side of this. Let's look at the management side of it. Okay? We got so many balls in the air right now. Unfortunately, you know, we only have so much personnel to go fight certain things. Right. That, that's where I'm at. I mean, personally, I believe that management is always the right effort. Now, we're not perfect on management, but we do the best we can, right? Yep, that's okay. right. That's all you can do. But that right. sea lion topic is such a hot topic because they're devastating so much of the resources. Just in, we'll just take one harbor, Dana Point Harbor. We never seen them in there. And then all of a sudden they showed up and now... There is a massive population in Dana Point Harbor, and it is absolutely mind-boggling the amount of destruction that they do on a daily basis. The little bit of money that it would take to spade or neuter them, 
would be offset so quickly by the amount of money that the county of Orange spends just repairing the docks on a daily basis, monthly well, basis. I'm not saying go out there and spade and neuter them all, but think about it this way. If they're, say you have one that gets injured and they're going to take them into one of the areas for recuperation, right? Medical attention, it's kind of what you do, right? It's kind of like That's what happens with our cats and that go in the pound, right? Or to the center. That's what they do. And at the same time, they could put a tag so we can monitor them too. Uh, you know, there's a lot of things that we could do, we should do, but we can't do right now. So right. let's just think about that as we go through these efforts on how do you convince people of the management side of this? How do we get them away from the preservationist concept to a conservation process? Management, right? That's that's what we're doing. And we'll, again, remember... The first thing I said, fishermen are not the enemy. Conservation is part of our name and what we do. Conservation, along with responsible and sustainable consumptive efforts, can coexist. Those are very important things of statements that we need to keep working on. So, again, last thing I'd like to be able to talk about is we do a lot of good. We take kids fishing. We take our people out, right, our vets. We give back to the community more than anybody. But we don't do a good enough job tooting our horn, guys. If you have a fishing organization, you have a group, you take people out, please get that advertised. Bring out your legislators, bring out people that can help advertise it because people don't know you're doing this and we need that positive press. People don't know you're doing it we do it for the right reason and we don't like tooting our horns. It just, we just don't like doing it, but we need it right now. Put it out there. And if you have a problem getting it out there, get it to us so we can help get it out there. Document what you're doing. Let's write articles. Let's get it to the press. Let's get your legislators involved. If you got a kid's event, get the legislator in that district to bring those kids down because they'll bring the press. You got a vet thing coming up, get the legislator to come down. They will participate. They want to do that. And that's important. Absolutely. And back and Jim, perfect. Thank you. Like Jim's saying, and we need we need to wrap this up because I know you're busier than heck. And we I told you an hour. We went over a little bit of an hour. But at the end of the day, and if any of this stuff that Wayne talked about made sense, and Wayne. A lot of people that weren't in the very beginning, but we are actually winning these some of these battles. We are winning them, but we're we're way far from winning the war. We're winning some of these battles, but what's it going to take? It's going to take every single one of us. So one more time, let them know to get involved with CCA. There's the QR code again. Don't be afraid people watching right now. Grab that QR code. Get involved. If you're not involved with CCA, you don't really you you don't have a right to complain. You don't have a right to go on any social media and complain about anything because you're not helping. Yeah, join CCA California. It's ccacalifornia.org. You can join us, like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, participate in our events. Come out and talk to us. Come out and enjoy time our time with you. Right. That's why we do the events and help us fundraise. Contribute to conservation is our easy way to get in. And as an individual, you can do as little as $10 a month up to whatever you want to put on your credit card every month. We also have one called Annual Financial Sponsor. If you're a business and would like to write us a check for donation, write us the check, Annual Financial Sponsorship Program for CCA California. And like I said, 
Come out and enjoy fun with us. Talk to us. If you have anything that you see, hear, notice, please let us know. You're our eyes and ears. We're doing it for you. Absolutely. And um, check out the uh, Pacific Sport Fishing Alliance. If you have somewhere you want to go fishing, bucket list fishing trip somewhere, check out Pacific Sport Fishing Alliance. They're a big, big supporter of CCA. Larry and the guys over at Pacific Sport Fishing Alliance have done so much to help us. And gang, they're, they're introducing more and more people to fishing and taking away the fear of going to Alaska or going to Mexico or going out on a sport boat, never been there before. Check out Pacific Sport Fishing Alliance. Grab that QR code too. Larry and the guys over there are super important to CCA. He is helping. He's always at all the fundraisers. He's always there to try to help. So just go there and check it out. If you have any questions about fishing in a foreign country or anything, any type of fear going to Alaska or on a sport boat, he's breaking it down and making it super easy. Right, Wayne? Absolutely. Good guys. All right. Well, thank you very, very much, Wayne. Anybody that didn't get your burning desire to ask Wayne a question, you guys can send me your questions at 949-374-0786. And if, I look, if it looks decent, I'll send it to Wayne and we'll try to answer the question for you. I want to thank you, Wayne, very, very much. This was super informative. You, you blew the roof off for me and my people, man. This was incredible. Thank you for your time. I know your time's super valuable. For you to give away an hour of it for my silly show, I appreciate it. Yeah, I thank appreciate you. you, Dave. I appreciate everybody that's out there listening and, and following us. And again, share this. Let people know. If you have questions, get a hold of Dave. Get a hold of me. We answer. I, I, I watch the social media posts. I have my own Facebook page. Yep. Yep. So, it's all connected. Everything's connected. We're all connected. We're all trying to keep this thing open for all of us. They're, I want to be able to take my granddaughter fishing. She's only seven months old right now, but I sure hope that in the next two years when she can go out and stand on the boat, we have somewhere to fish, Wayne. Oh, I'm with you. I'm, I've got one that's, I got a grandson that's only two months old and that's my goal. Yeah. So I'm with you, want- Dave. And my dad, that was his deal. He wanted to see his grandkids get to go fishing and his great-grandkids. So it's super important to both Wayne and I, and I hope it's important to all of you. So please get involved with CCA. It is so important to all of us. Thank you very much, Wayne. Thank you, everybody, for watching the show. I'll see you all on Monday. We'll have another great show for you. And we're bringing in a special guest on Tuesday. We're bringing in Rusty Padilla from the Freelance. He's going to be our special guest on Tuesday. And then hopefully Rod Halperin and the guys from uh, War Heroes on Water are going to try to join us on Friday. So thank you, everybody, very much for watching the show. And we'll be back with you on Monday. Thanks, Wayne. Goodbye. Thanks, Dave. Don't forget, your saltwaterguide.com. Thanks, Wayne. (laughs) Bye. Later, Dave.